This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibiverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Morning America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. 
Monica Heisey is the author of Really Good, Actually, a novel. We actually got to do this episode in person. We share a PR guru named Paul Bogarts, who was in the room as we recorded. And Monica is sensational. Her book was so funny. Well, anyway, listen. Monica is an essayist, comedian, and screenwriter from Toronto. Her writing has been published in The New Yorker, The New York Times, Vogue, L, The Guardian, Glamour, New York Magazine, and Vice, among others. She has written for television shows like Schitt's Creek, Working Moms, and Everything I Know About Love. She lives in London. Welcome, Monica. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss really good, actually. No, thank you so much for having me. Is everybody like making the same joke that it's really good? Almost every headline. I feel so bad. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm making the same joke that everyone's going to make. I, but I can't not make it. Honestly, I've set you up for that. So that I think you did, that's, right? that's on me, okay. ultimately. Thank you for <laughs> taking responsibility. I appreciate that. Okay. Tell listeners about Really Good Actually. Tell me how it became a book, how you thought of the whole thing, how it reflects your own life and all that. So Really Good Actually is a novel about a young woman named Maggie who's 28 years old and is finding herself unexpectedly in the midst of a divorce after her very recent marriage. And it's set during the first year of her life as a single person um, and kind of her first year as a single adult ever. It was inspired by, I went through a divorce at a young age myself, and even kind of in the earliest days of it, when it was still pretty miserable, pretty regularly, I sort of could tell there was something funny about it and that I might want to write. I'm a comedy writer mostly for television, so I'm sort of used to taking things that have happened in my life or friends' lives or just that I've seen around and turning them into comedy. And I thought, even though this is quite miserable experience. There's definitely something funny in it. So the novel is my attempt to turn something a little bit grim into something funny. It was so funny. I told Paul, so Paul is here in the background, but anyway, (laughs) I was like, I don't want to finish. It's so funny. I've like laughed out loud. It's like amazing. I dog-eared a couple parts (laughs) that I wanted to read. Well, not all these are as funny, I guess, but... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Anyway, well, I'll read you a couple. Hit on a beautiful. And no, I'm kidding. Truth I'm totally. Instead. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. When we were married, John rarely stayed out late. On the few occasions he did, I would enjoy my evening until about two, then lie awake staring at the ceiling, thinking about all the things that could go wrong. What if the power went out and I needed to know how to interact with that big box in the basement? Our back door was rickety and unreliable. No matter how carefully I closed the bolts, checked and double checked that I'd done it, fear would keep me awake. I'd get up to redo it ten times in the night in case someone was about to break in and kill me. I didn't worry about that anymore. Maybe someone will break in and kill me. I'd think, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And let's see. Oh, this is so funny. All the songs I'm singing about are heartbreak and the raw emotion of my recent experience informs each number. People are so moved. Some of them are weeping. Much of the audience is enthralled strangers. All of whom find me mysterious and alluring. The friends I came with are dumbstruck. No one can believe that I've been hiding this voice, that I've been so humble about it. We thought all her grief would be for nothing, one whispers to another, but look what she's done with it. She's like Nora Ephron, if Nora Ephron had the voice of Adele. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one of Maggie's many deluded fantasies that sort of pepper the book is this idea that people want to watch you doing karaoke. <laughs> a fantasy I think all of us have indulged a couple of times. The part about the the hamburgers when the delivery man is outside, not that it's like a plot giver <laughs> away, but it's just so funny when uh, she's ordering in like paperless post or whatever it is, and the delivery man is accidentally calling her ex every time in the middle of the night. Yeah. A friend of mine found out a couple years ago that For two full years, her ex-boyfriend was getting an email every single time she ordered rotisserie chicken from this (laughs) Canadian rotisserie chicken chain. (laughs) 
And she was like, it's not that embarrassing, but I just felt so exposed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's something that Maggie feels sort of throughout the book is just very exposed. But the way you wrote it is so funny. I mean, those, I think you wrote, those were like emails to customer service. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you could have said that in so many ways, but the mix of forms and the way you handle the material and present it. And some is like Maggie and her friends just hanging out and others are these funny letters or whatever. So tell me about how you structured the story and all the different characters and the choice of different form elements like that. I think when I sat down to write the novel, because I knew it was going to be so intensely set inside one character's head, Mm -hmm. and because she was experiencing things that were inspired by my own emotions, but that I wanted to be really fictional events, I thought I really need to get to know this person and the ways where we overlap and the ways where we really diverge. So I wanted to do a lot of character exercises to kind of get to know Maggie. So there are all of these short form pieces kind of scattered throughout the book, Google search histories and (laughs) personal fantasies and, you know, emails and, Mm -hmm. you know, dating app conversations. And all of those were kind of my first attempts at getting to know this character and Mm. building up her voice and my sense of her worldview um, even the the list that opens the novel, which is a, a list of reasons that Maggie and her husband, John, broke up, that was almost the first thing I wrote in the book to kind of try and get my head around who this person was, what her relationship meant to her, and the ways that it was going to kind of go very wrong <laughs> for her. So, yeah, the short-form pieces were kind of my something so that I wasn't starting with a blank page, so I felt on solid footing that I understood who this person was. And then I'm a big outline girl, so then I did a big outline of kind of the plot as it would transpire after I had those short-form pieces and kind of a character grounding. Wow. So go back to how you got your start, even in TV writing and writing in general, and where, yeah. where are you from? Like, give me some context sure. Where? How did you show up here? Who the today? hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> I am a, a writer. I started in, in Toronto, where I'm from. And I've always kind of written and and also always kind of been involved in comedy performance as well. At university even was like part of the school newspaper and like in an improv troupe and stuff. So those have been passions of mine for a long time. And I wrote a book in 2015 that was based on like a joke advice column I had for a website called She Does the City in Toronto lovely local website. And it was sort of joke advice and kind of personal essays, but also had some of those little short form humor pieces as well, which are sort of, I think where I kind of got my start is writing like odd humor pieces for like independent websites, like the hairpin, the best website ever now defunct. And also like the New Yorker shouts and murmurs and stuff. And then off the back of that book, I was promoting that book and I met some amazing women at a comedy show where I was kind of being interviewed and they were doing improv based on the interview answers. And they were just setting up the first season of their sketch show called Baroness von Sketch Show, which is a great Canadian comedy show that ran for five, maybe six seasons. They asked if I had any samples of like sketch comedy. And I had just come back from doing a summer at the Edinburgh Fringe with some friends. So I did. And that was my first TV job. And then the book also led me to Shit's Creek, which is my second TV job. Um, just the luckiest person in the world to have those be my first two jobs. Someone had given Dan a copy of my book. And again, they reached out and asked if I had a sample. And I didn't have a half hour narrative sample, but I said that I did. And I wrote one over the course of like a frantic weekend. Oh my gosh. And sent it off. Just looking for the file. <laughs> just I'm going to reformat yeah. it. This PDF converter yeah, is going to take about 48 hours. Computer trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh um, my gosh. 
So I was really, really lucky and then really fell in love with writing comedy for TV and I've been doing that for most of my career. Oh my gosh. Wait, go back to starting. Okay. So you send the sample. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> they obviously love it. Um, and then, so did you go into a writer's room or like explain like how long did you work on that and which episode or how many episodes or temp, I don't know. Yeah. I was on uh, seasons three and four of the show as a writer, one small part of a big team. And it, it was just, I mean, it was where I learned how to kind of do any of it. And it was such a good introduction because we had an amazing mix of like, we had some really old school pros and then a couple people who are new like me. And then Dan has always just had such a clear vision for what he wanted the show to be. So when you have a sort of strong leader like that, I feel like it's just a pleasure to kind of help figure out how to like enrich their original but very clear vision or build towards what they're looking for. So there were about eight of us, I think. And I think it's such, it's just such a intuitive and smart way to get, to make comedy, to get a bunch of people together in a room who can kind of support each other's ideas or equally pick kind of holes in them and be like, oh, I'm not sure that this works, but what if it was like this? It was a real pleasure. What do you think it is about comedy? Like, I think if you got eight novelists in a room together, it might not end up... (laughs) Like why why can why can that form be done communally so much better? Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just five dollars. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. God, that's a really good question. I think part of it must be the immediate response. Like, it's so easy to doubt yourself when you're writing alone as to whether something's funny. But a laugh is is like an instinctual reaction that you kind of have no control over. So if you can elicit laughs from a room full of people, then you know you're kind of on the right path. So it feels really like really helpful kind of live and immediate feedback. Definitely writing the novel was a a really intense shift to be like, oh, it's just me for now. I mean, obviously I was so lucky to find my editors. I have two amazing editors, one in the UK and one over here. 
we all worked on the book together. But before I found them, I had to write the entire thing by myself, which was so unexpectedly confronting because I only really had my own sense of humor to go off of. And I'm used to having like a room full of people that I can be like, is this anything? And they can tell me if it is or isn't, but it was just me. <laughs> so it's just how hard you were making yourself laugh. Yeah, much. kind of. Yeah. 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 How crazy I looked <laughs> in my in my office laughing by myself. Why even try a novel? Like your TV career is taking off. Why why go this route? I think because this story is so personal. I did want it to be kind of something that I was at the helm of. And also it's very interior story. It takes place a lot inside Maggie's head and deals a lot with feelings of criticism and feelings of self-doubt. And I thought it would be easiest, I think, to kind of really get into the depths of how she was feeling by being able to just write it all out rather than find ways to kind of show it. Although now we've optioned it for TV, so I do have to find what those ways are. And also I think I really wanted to try to challenge myself and do something different. And it was a genuine challenge. It felt really difficult, but it was also really worthwhile. And I feel like I learned a lot while doing it. I bet. And are you going to write another novel? Yeah, I'm working on one right now. Yeah. Was it, did you already sell it? Not like, was it a two book situation? Okay. That's always nice. (laughs) What is that about? So far, it's about a group of friends in Toronto, and they're all in their late 30s, and they're, don't hold me to this, because it could all change. And now one of them is a TV writer. (laughs) No. (laughs) I want it to be even sort of farther from my life, you know, and, and also to again, to try and challenge myself in a different way, tell multiple perspectives Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. people who are much farther from me than Maggie is, you know, so I'm in the outlining stage of that. And I I think the outline is going to be quite, quite a, can I swear? (laughs) Go for it. Why not? I was going to say quite a bit. All right. That's (laughs) now I feel weirdly like shy about it. My, have you seen the musical Six? I don't know if you have. No, it's such a big deal in London, though. You should go see it. Yeah. It's hard to, like, I don't really like going to musicals, really. Or Anyway, it's so good. But my kids are obsessed with it. And one of the songs is, like, bring out the bitches. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> and so they sing that all the time. Because okay. they're like, now we can say the B word because yeah. it's in the song. This so. is history, Mom. We're allowed. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I just had that's what that makes me think of. So that's a fine one to say. <laughs> I feel like totally sanctioned forever. So which of the character study exercises are you doing for your new characters? Give us some of the tools, all the aspiring writers out there that like, if you're developing a character, it's really helpful to do. Oh, that's such a good question. One thing I've been doing is like, a, have you seen the L word mm-hmm. on Showtime? No. They have a big sort of hookup chart of who's hooked up with who and kind of like what everyone's links are. And I've made a couple charts, not related to who's hooking up with who, but just different kinds of relationships and dynamics. So like who's jealous of who or who's <laughs> secretly has a crush on who and kind of like just kind of trying to, it's very messy and it looks like the work of a serial killer, but it's really useful for me to kind of visually plot all that stuff out. I took a, a painting class from my friend Laura Daw in the early stages of writing this book that really opened up how I was thinking about writing it. And I'm going to do the same thing, I think, for this new book, which is she showed us how she paints these beautiful still lifes. And she sort of blocked in all of the big colors first and then did shadows and then did highlights. And detail comes so much later. Mm-hmm. So for so many stages of the creative process, it doesn't look like the thing that you're trying to make at all. You have to sort of have the faith that these are important layers. Mm-hmm. And that was really like emancipating for me to not have to have 
a draft that was ready to go, but to be like, I have the shapes in this draft. Mm-hmm. You know, I have the highlights in this kind of outline. I've been trying to think about it that way and not, not put too much pressure to get the detail right until much later. Yeah, I feel like if I were going to write a, a writing guide, it would be like, pretty sentences come last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's so counterintuitive because you need the sentences to write it to begin with. I know. It's the same thing with, with writing for TV. I was really, as a young writer, like, I don't understand why we have to spend all this time outlining. And now I'm like, oh, if your story isn't airtight, then the whole thing falls apart and all your funny lines have to go in the bin anyway. So I feel like I'm very dedicated to having a strong outline that can hold. (laughs) Interesting. So when you're not writing for TV or writing novels or talking to your friends about ordering a chicken, (laughs) what what do you do like when you're not at work? Like what are, what's your life like? I have almost no work-life balance. So it's (laughs) it's a good question (laughs) that I should ask myself more. Um, What do I do? I live in London and I love just like walking around. One of the things I love about it is that it's it's really walkable city. All of the neighborhoods are like these little villages where you kind of can, well, not all the neighborhoods, but a lot of the neighborhoods are like these little villages where you can kind of get everything you need within like a 10, 15 minute walk. And there's a nice park. So I'm a big fan of sort of walking into like a little bookstore and then going and sitting. I, I've lived there a long time, but I still just feel like, very romantic about the city. So I just like to sort of walk around and listen to music and read in cafes and get a bit main character about it. <laughs> That's perfect. You're, you've just like cast yourself in a role. You're like, I'm going to just live out the life of the novelist in, in London. Thank you very much. Oh my gosh, so funny. Why do you live in London, by the way? I moved there in 2010 to study early modern literature. I did an MA there. I figured, I think... It was like never going to be an advanced degree that actually did anything for me professionally. So I just thought I should like make a real experience out of it and go to the place that, um, you know, they have such amazing like archives and stuff over there. And you're walking around the streets where the stuff you're studying actually happened. So for very nerdy reasons, I moved over there. And then I just really fell in love with the city. I went up to the Edinburgh Fringe, not really knowing much about it. And it's just this incredible, enormous creative cultural like explosion. And they have really engaged audiences for comedy. I just felt like I had really found a place where I could do the things that I wanted to do at the level that I wanted to do them. And with the group of friends that really make me laugh. It's awesome. And pubs are amazing as well. <laughs> Fish and chips. Yeah. <laughs> Wimbledon. <laughs> so that was what I did on my honeymoon. We went to Wimbledon. Did you? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Chic. It's pretty awesome, I have to say. My husband used to teach tennis. Did you wear like a little hat? I wore a very pretty dress. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I felt very chic. <laughs> it's like the last time I dressed up to watch a sporting match. <laughs> One and only. <laughs> what about movies? Are you, do you have any interest in writing movies? Yeah, I would love to write a movie. I'm a big romantic comedy fan. I love like the classics. I feel like I watched When Harry Met Sally. My boyfriend calls When Harry Met Sally the film because I watch it so often. I'm just always in the mood for it. If I'm Me happy, too. if I'm it is sad. It's my favorite movie. Number right? one. Number Me one, too. Number one favorite movie of all time. Number one favorite movie, yeah. It just, like, she just really nailed it. <laughs> yeah, all of it. The fr- I mean, yeah. The friend group, I'm obsessed with. This is my my whole thing is, like, if you can write a good dinner party. Mm-hmm. That's the real test of a good writer. Particularly, I think, in movies like the Bridget Jones's Diary dinner party, mm-hmm. where they all kind of, she makes a total crap dinner, and then yeah. all of her friends do a toast, quoting Mark Darcy, and he's yeah. there. Smug married. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Awesome. Any authors you're like obsessed with these days? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm always obsessed with Heidi Julevitz. I read The Folded Clock like every year, I feel. What am I reading more recently that has come out recently? I'm really excited to read The Survivalists, but I haven't read it yet by Kashana yeah. Kali. Yep. I'm really... I uh, have it if you want to. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> I did bring a tote bag. <laughs> I, I am really obsessed with Sheila Hetty. Her narrator, whose name is Sheila, but isn't her, in How Should a Person Be, says, you have to know where the funny is. If you know where the funny is, then you know everything. And I'm always just looking for writers who know where the funny is, Mm -hmm. of which she is definitely one, I would say. I just interviewed her about her children's book. Did you? Yeah. Oh my God. Just not love at all. To it is not at all funny. <laughs> no. Uh, it's very dark. It's about like a dead bunny and uh, oh, um, yeah. but it's it's a it's a way to teach kids about loss right. and whatever. But you know. Yeah. So oh, in wow. a way it's not dark. It's actually light at the end. It's actually it's great. It's beautiful and but it's not it's not humorous. Let me yeah. just put it that way. Yeah, fair enough. I mean I guess there's a time and a place. Yes. <laughs> not when you're teaching kids about loss. Yeah. <laughs> Not the time to joke necessarily. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, number one piece of advice for an aspiring author. Oh, I think probably the thing I said about the shapes, like don't be afraid to just start Mm -hmm. so that you don't have a blank page in front of you. Because I think it's very intimidating to me still. And I think working in TV and having to get drafts out on kind of tight turnarounds so you don't really have time to criticize yourself, it really is just about making sure you don't have time to criticize yourself. So just getting something out there and then leaving it for a second. Mm. And then when you go back, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. I like that advice. Stay so busy. You don't have time to criticize (laughs) yourself. That's awesome. I think I think I've maybe done that with my own life. Right. Yeah, that's all. So last question, because my older daughter, who's almost 16, is like obsessed with Schitt's Creek. Is there anything you can tell her that she'll be like, oh my God, no way. (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to think. I feel like I don't know what's like a little Easter egg. I think this is probably like well-known by now, but um, Annie Murphy wrote the A Little Bit of Lexus song herself and choreographed it herself, Okay, which is pretty amazing. And also just that that everyone is lovely. You know, I feel like everyone's like, oh my God, was it as fun as it seemed to work on it? And, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. More fun than a room full of eight novelists. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, Monica. Really excited for your next book and good luck. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.